0: Hello, everyone. I am Jennifer Braverman. And I'm Ellen Selm. Welcome to our podcast, Stories from the Earth, where we explore humankind's relationship and connection with the natural world. We would like to take a quick moment to invite our listeners to consider
1: supporting us through a humble little donation. If you go to our anchor page and click the support button, there are options to donate for $1, $5, or $10. The donations will go towards helping us with future projects, such as launching of our herbal educational curriculum we have dubbed the people's herb school as well as helping fund to take this road on the show and do some on-site reviews and interviews at herb farms schools and other interesting places relevant to our podcast you can also
0: leave us a review on apple Podcasts. Today, we welcome Mason Hutchinson, founder of Herb Rally, a podcast and website that promotes herbalism education and events. He himself has completed apprenticeships at Columbine School of Botanical Studies and Arctos School of Herbal and Botanical Studies. Mason was events and marketing manager for the famed Mountain Rose Herbs for 11 years. He also is the co organizer for one of the longest running herbal events in the USA, the Brighton Bush Herbal Conference in Detroit, Oregon. So when was the first time you knew you wanted to be an herbalist? How, how did you know this whole herb thing was for you?
2: Oh yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say I started really getting into nutrition in my late teens. I was really into like lifting weights and stuff like that. So along with that whole scene comes uh, emphasis on nutrition. And then I just started becoming really obsessed with that whole world. I also always struggled with depression, uh, and I found out that nutrition is a good way to help your body and mind feel a lot better. I, I found out that when you when you start consuming healthier foods, uh, it really has an effect on your mood. So it was kind of this double whammy of, A, I wanted to get stronger, and B, I wanted to just feel better in general. And then it kind of dovetailed from there to herbalism, I feel like has a really natural connection to uh, nutrition in fact I feel like a lot of the herbalists that I know almost seem like they're more of like a nutritionist than an herbalist uh, as far as like preventative and stuff like that but um yeah you know once once the herb bug hit me though there was no turning back and I started learning about traditional Chinese medicine, tonic herbs, uh, Ayurveda then I took my first apprenticeship uh, maybe ten years ago but uh it, it really started with nutrition for me
0: I can I can relate I uh, I had decided to adopt a certain way of eating and decided, well, if I'm going to do this, I need to make sure I do it healthy, do it right. That led me into like, you know, interest in organics and how things are grown and all that. And then that led into just more natural health in general, which leads into natural medicine, which leads into herbs. And it's just like <laughs> one lovely fun rabbit hole.
2: <laughs> there was a second part of that question. How did I know the Uh, Oh, yeah. How how do
0: you know it was just kind of the right thing for you that you were going to turn this into a profession even?
2: Yeah. It's just one of those things where I feel like um, when you have something just constantly nagging at you, if you don't kind of follow your heart and soul, I kind of feel like that also leads to depression and stuff like that. So uh, I really felt like it was calling me. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps right now as I think as I talk about it. It basically felt like I had no choice, you know.
1: I mean, I know, like, when I am about to do something that I am really, really love and I'm really, really into and I'm really, really interested about there's so much more energy and so much more, like, just life.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Come and alive. then when I'm just so like, what? So you come alive in your element.
1: Yeah. 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 Then I'm like, it." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: totally. I think I have... I don't know. I, I want to say I think I have one of those personalities, but maybe everybody does. Uh, it's it's just fun to kind of follow the breadcrumbs and then just see where it goes. You know, like these ideas just constantly hit my head and they just they just annoy me until I you know, kind of pursue it. So when I first got into herbalism, I was actually a dietitian aide at the hospital. I thought I was going to be a dietitian. I had this naive idea that I was going to be a um I was gonna change the the way that the hospital system feeds patients and stuff like that.
0: I eat and, no more green jello. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, it's it's not, not jello. Like, no. <laughs> Red jello,
2: maybe that's better. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. More uh, antioxidants. Yes.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I was a dietitian aide, and then Mountain Rose Herbs was in Pleasant Hill, Oregon, and then they uh, they moved to Eugene, and that's right when I was really be- becoming gung ho about herbalism. I was like, you know what? I'm going to rethink my whole life. I'm just going to go see if I could get a job there because I was living in Eugene. That's where I'm from. And sure enough, I got a job there. And then I saw a pamphlet for an herb school in the lunchroom. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is definitely what I'm doing. So it just kind of kept going that way.
1: You were literally able to follow the the breadcrumbs.
2: I really and did. Yeah.
1: Led you to the next. Yeah. 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 That's that's awesome. Yeah. So you saw the pamphlet for the herb school that really leads us into the next question as what was your herbal education like and tell us about the places and people you've studied with and apprenticed with
2: yeah and i don't want to leave out uh kp khalsa uh before I took the Columbine School of Botanical Studies, uh, I was just kind of dipping my toe in the herbal world. and uh, Well, for, well, I really, it might have been around the same time, I started listening to a lot of Herb Mentor Radio, which is one of the earliest herbal podcasts that I can remember. and I just <laughs> devoured that content, which was super fun because I felt like I got to know a lot of the herbalists, just like their their ticks and their specialties and stuff like that. But I ended up taking a, maybe like a three-month course through Lane Community College in Eugene with KP Calsa. And he would just go in depth on Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. Fast forward, once I uh, got a job at Mountain Rose Herbs, I saw a pamphlet for the Columbine School of Botanical Studies. And I was so into like adaptogens and stuff at the time. And I remember during my interview with Howie and Steven, I was like, are you going to teach about adaptogens, you know? And they're like, yeah, sure. You know, like I did not know what I was about to get myself into. (laughs) and. After taking that apprenticeship, for, it was a two-year program, I started to realize that plants were a lot more than just dr- cut and sifted dried herbs in an herb shop. I started to really develop relationships with plants in their natural environment. And that was just incredible because the Columbine School of Botanical Studies, they almost don't promote it as like any sort of woo-woo or spiritual experience. It's very botany heavy and traditional Western herbalism. You'll find yourself, you know, after you're hanging out in the West Cascades and the old growth forest, looking at tiny little flowers through your loop uh, and botanizing all day. And it it kind of ends up becoming a a spiritual experience just by default. So, yeah, I took that to your apprenticeship. And then maybe, I don't know, a few years later, uh, I started getting hungry to take another apprenticeship. So... I ended up taking the Arct- Arcto School of Botanical Medicine in Portland, Oregon, and that's with Missy Rose and Grady Proctor. I, I know Missy was a, a student of Michael Moore. Grady also took the Columbines School. So there's a kind of some similar elements between Columbines and Arcto School. I feel like Arctos might have had a little more uh, medicine making, and I took that for about a year.
0: Being in the region we're in, there's always seems to be something plant and herbal related going on and there's uh, several uh, schools both online and in person for if not herbalism and foraging etc cetera, etc cetera. it's just you know nature of Appalachia but it sounds like some of the stuff that you got to get involved in is I don't know almost like a little more detailed somehow mm-hmm. I mean a two-year program that's pretty awesome and the fact that the community college had even something along those lines is like wow okay Okay, North Carolina, step it up a little.
2: <laughs> so, are you in Asheville? Is that right?
0: Yeah, just in the area. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I always think of Eugene, Oregon, as like this herbalist hub, but I really think of Asheville as that way as well. So, I'm kind of jealous of you all too. There's so many, so many amazing teachers in your area.
0: Yeah. You'll, you'll have to come. And everybody's releasing books now. I guess they had <laughs> lots of time on their hands with COVID. So, uh-huh. there's one. There's one. Yeah. I know
2: Corey Pinechain just came out with a book, and he's in your area, too. Uh, I don't have a copy of that one yet. But, yeah, I've actually been to Asheville a couple times to an event called the Mother Earth News Fair. Yeah. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah, you came so, all the way
0: here for that? They didn't have one out your way? <laughs>
2: they do, actually. Uh, they, they had one in Oregon and Washington, which I've also been to. But that was part of the nature of my job with Mountain Reserves. They'd send me all over. This oh, event. okay. Yeah. yeah, it was super cool. And, and both times I went to Asheville, I was just... Uh, I was totally in love with it, and I, I keep telling Amanda that we we gotta head that way soon. So I'm, I'm very excited. We'll
0: be that. a little closer in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, I bet I could get there in what ten hours, maybe. I don't know.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I'm I'm really excited to go back maybe. to North Carolina. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that might be a story. <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah. And I guess you probably learned a lot, even just on the job working for somewhere like Mountain Rose for so long.
2: Yeah, that was definitely one of the perks of my job is I was basically their events person for about a decade. And I would I went to places like Mother Earth News Fair and trade shows and stuff. But then I'd also, mostly I'd go to herb conferences. So I was able to take just a ton of classes at these various herb conferences.
0: All over the country and stuff?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Florida... New England, Asheville, Michigan, just off the top of my head. Yeah.
0: What's been some of your favorite areas of study and why? I mean, obviously you said there were the adaptogens were kind of a a gateway until the, until your eyes got open to so much broader things, but has there been certain elements that are just like, Ooh, I just, I just love that part. I just can't help but talk about that part.
2: (laughs) You know, not much has changed. I actually still feel like I'm really into the nutrition realm. Like I really just like the nourishing or gentle herbs. That's, that's mostly how I use herbalism in my daily life. But like, yeah, I would say, um, nutrition, culinary, I love cooking. I, I, I like to cook a lot. That's why this whole moving process has been a weird limbo. Cause I feel like all of our kitchen stuff is packed. So I'm like, what do I do? And then other than that, I love just going on plant walks. Like going on plant walks is definitely my favorite thing to do. Uh, but yeah, as far as like areas of study, I think maybe that's why I never really considered doing herbalism as a profession. Cause I don't think I'm wired that way particularly, but um, I just really like the whole nutrition and culinary aspect. You know what I mean? So.
0: Yeah. I think that's important too. Cause like I've been in, in the natural products world now for like 15, 16 years and I've watched over this period of time as, you know, there's people who would walk into a whole foods and look at herbs that wouldn't have done it 10 years ago, which is great. Mm-hmm. Like the accessibility, the interest, people are trying their best to self-educate or learn from knowledgeable people if they're lucky enough to run into one. But it's also like going with like a compartmentalization mindset that we tend to have, you know, with which, whether that's Western medicine's doing, I don't know, but like, like this thing is going to fix this thing. And you take this many for this many days. And it's like, but what if you could just sprinkle your herbs and everything? I mean, you know, like it used to be, this was just food. I mean, yeah, it was medicine, yeah. but it was food. And to, yeah. to kind of retrain that mindset I think is, is really important. So the more ways you can find them, make a bitter root, be tasty enough to get somebody to incorporate it on a daily basis, you're, you're doing everybody a favor
2: yeah that's a good point and i have the blessing of liking really strange foods so yeah the more bitter the better or the more weird the better so i just love consuming just the weird random plants and learning about different cultures and how they use it in their culinary and then i also like forcing my family as well to take it you know
1: <laughs> what's family for yeah, <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs>
2: Oh. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I remember my daughter just said the other day. She said, "Dad, remember when I was younger, you used to serve me toast with turmeric on it?" I was like, "Yeah, that was a good one."
0: I don't even <laughs> I think that's powder
2: cons- on her toast.
1: <laughs> I don't even think that's considered weird anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you're Sorry. in Asheville, so yeah. Oh, that's right. That's true.
1: That's true. Yeah, we're yeah. In a, we're in a bubble. Golden- Golden toast. Mm. Ooh, That's we'll a good start way to put it. Up on all the menus. <laughs> toast,
2: yeah.
1: That's gonna make a avocado toast a run for its yeah. money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little
2: fresh ground pepper on there too. Oh
1: man. A Little, yeah. a little bit of a little honey on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Possibilities are in. Hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how we don't think about it until we real until we do like how far we our food has sort of gotten away from being sure. food <laughs> um just on what to eat i think people are, are really like don't even realize what is maybe a good thing for them to eat
2: um, yeah and that's where i kind of feel blessed in a way as far as like with my struggles with mental health and stuff like that, I feel like it was kind of a blessing in a, in a way where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to put a lot of emphasis on what I eat. Like it's almost the only reason why I eat this way is because I was just trying to solve my own problem, you know? And, uh, I used to be a lot more evangelical about how I, you know, promoted and talked about nutrition and stuff like that. I've definitely calmed down a lot as far as that goes. So people will learn when they have to, I suppose. Um, as to what, what they should be consuming and whatnot. But, yeah, really, I find listening to your body and see what makes you feel good and stuff like that is important.
1: Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I, I know, like, from my own health story, like, it really, definitely food was a large component, and I've heard that from other people, too. So it's definitely, like, this food-medicine connection is is really a thing. So how do you use herbs in daily life? I think we might have already touched on that, but you can expand upon it maybe a little bit.
2: Yeah. I mean, the simple answer is I consume nourishing herbal infusions pretty much daily oat straw, nettle, hawthorn leaf and flower. Uh, But I'd say my go-to really is oat straw. I just feel like it really grounds me and I, I feel super nourished after consuming it. Other than that. Yeah culinarily, like I, I use it in cooking all the time. I'll take bitters. It's mostly just teas and infusions and, and in cooking. And then if you want to, you know, kind of expand upon that as far as like going out into the natural world and just kind of spending time with the plants. It's funny because we're, you know, we're just now jumping back into spring and and it's like every year I have to be like, oh, right. There's this whole side of, of communing with the plants. I'm just super excited to get back out in the woods and hang out with all of our friends again.
1: Yeah, it's like the trees don't have leaves, and suddenly they have leaves, and it's just like, yeah. wait, what happened? We were in winter, now we're not, and everything's <laughs> like in bloom, and you're like, mm-hmm. what? Oh. <laughs>
2: we have a maple tree in our backyard, and they were in flower maybe a couple of weeks ago, and I just get so excited every year when I see the maple blossoms come out, and it's like that with most plants. You go up in the woods, and you're like, oh, yeah, there, there you are again, you know, and yeah, I think that might be like an underrated part of herbalism is just not even necessarily consuming the plants per se but just going out and hanging out with them.
0: It's yeah. like, "Welcome back, old friend." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I missed you.
2: Speaking of my language.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's
1: these big trees, I think they're maple trees at work that have they have a little deck built around them and there's a picnic table and I sit under them and eat lunch as much as I can, like all weather as any excuse. And you know, they haven't had leaves for several months. And I forgot now that they have leaves, they form this huge like umbrella of leaves. And I'm just like, ah, you know And I like (laughs) to, I like to lay on the picnic table and look at the little, all the leaves in the sun you know the sky and everything
0: through the leaves and like a micro forest bathing while on your lunch break (laughs) yes
1: exactly but it's just like it feels like a little protective shell of. but i forgot how
0: how much leaf they had
1: so (laughs) cool so
0: (laughs) mason what's one or i know like you can't ask an herbalist like can you really pick one herb but if you had to pick one herb or just as an example What's something that's impacted your life in a really positive way and what ways has your life been improved by said herb?
2: Yeah, I have to go with oat straw. I was just on Rosalie's podcast and in preparation for it, she asked you about like an herb and I'm like, I have to go with oat straw or oats in general. So leading up to that for 30 straight days, I took oat straw infusion every day, uh, oat top extract every day. I eat oatmeal every day. <laughs> Do you know the herbalist Robin Rose Bennett? She has this oat meditation. So I did oh. the oat meditation every day also. So it's essentially you're doing a meditation, but you're basically pretending to be the oat plant. It's it's pretty yeah. cool. It's in her book, The Gift of Healing Herbs. Yeah, it's really helped me out as far as just I noticed after I drink a quart of oat straw infusion, it just makes me feel so so grounded and so at peace. Um, Now, granted within that 30 days that I have some relapses as far as like mental health stuff goes, yes, for sure. But at the same token, I'll notice that if if I'm, you know, off of some sort of nourishing herbal infusion, I'll really feel it. Definitely the oat plant has been a super good ally. Doing that 30 day challenge, if you will, I actually introduced oat top extract really for the first time. You know, working at Mount Reserves, I had access to a lot of tinctures and I would take oat top extract on occasion, but I took it for the past 30 days. And it was uh, also, I think, extremely beneficial for my nervous system. So it was yeah. cool to introduce that other part of the plant into the my regimen.
1: Oat is something that I have past couple months have introduced into my herbal, I guess, regimen and uh, the tincture. Uh, I do just uh, over time and everything else, but it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely very grounding and I'm out of it now. And I'm like, ah, it's great because some of the other Nervians also are kind of relax you by sort of making you sleepy and, Mm -hmm. and the oat, I feel like it, it grounds, but yet it also does a little uplifting and it's very gentle. So I definitely, I hear you. I love oat.
0: feels like, I mean, you know, yeah, I guess it could be cliche because you think of a nice warm bowl of oatmeal, but in general, the plant, <laughs> the way it smells and everything, just it's cozy. It warms your heart and yeah. Totally.
2: Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll even make like a savory oatmeal. Like I'll put, I'll cook mm-hmm. with broth and all. Yeah. And I'm trying to promote this idea of it doesn't have to have sweet ingredients like fruits and nuts and honey and stuff like that. Like it's, it's fun to experiment and, and uh, like we did a, a broth miso oatmeal recipe recently and so i highly encourage trying it in a savory form if you as a listener or someone has never tried a, a strong nourishing herbal infusion of an oat straw uh, i definitely recommend giving it a try and trying it for numerous days in a row and just you know taking a, a look at your mood and seeing if it's if it's helping at all i believe there's a constituent called avenin in it which closely resembles gluten so Perhaps it could be harmful if you have celiac. If you don't have any worries about that, it's definitely worth giving a try.
1: There are many ways to be an herbalist. What is your idea of who an herbalist is and what an herbalist does?
2: I guess the simple answer for me would be just if you're using herbs intentionally for your own health and for your family's health. Uh, We actually asked this question for our Ask an Herbalist series as well. And it's been fun to hear the different answers that herbalists give. And I believe it was Howie Brownstein said something like, You're an herbalist when people start coming to you for advice mm. on health issues related to herbs. I really like that. And then I think it was Logan Keister. He kind of differentiated between herbalist and clinical herbalist. Those two things are definitely different. That might come more along the lines of what Howie was saying, as far as like, Are people coming to you with their health issues? um, on a regular basis, then you could, might, might be more considering yourself a clinical herbalist. My brother, you know, multiple years ago said, Mason, you're an herbalist. And I was kind of uncomfortable with that title because I never really considered myself an herbalist, which is funny. Cause I, you know, I run an herbalism website and all that, and I've studied and all this, but I always kind of associated, Oh, if you're an herbalist, that means you're a clinical herbalist. Um, but I don't necessarily believe that anymore. I think it's be as simple as are you using herbs for your own health and for your family's health. What do you what do you all think? Because I'm, I'm really curious.
0: I've had that same kind of mental struggle with the whole like, oh, I don't know if I should, can really call myself that I'm not like, sitting down with a chart and describing <laughs> things to people or whatever. But, but yeah, the more I've just been immersed in the plants and the growing of the plants and teaching about the plants whether it's medicine related or growing related or something it starts to be more about that just that how, the fact that there is a relationship in your life to the plants period yeah. you know and in that sense you know you could be some old hermit out in the woods who has no contact with anyone, maybe they, they can't come to you to ask for health advice because they don't even know you're out there doing it. But it doesn't necessarily make you any less of an herbalist if it's so much a part of your uh daily thoughts and activities and way of life, you know.
2: Yeah, I like that you mentioned gardening because I feel like that's something that I lack. I don't garden. I definitely think if you're if you're tending an herb garden, yeah, that could definitely make you an an herbalist in its own right for sure
1: this whole question is sort of how i started the podcast originally our podcast because i thought people didn't really know who an herbalist was and what an herbalist does and there were some there seem to be many different ways like you could be an herbalist and myself also feel like i'm not i'm not a clinical herbalist i feel like i given the chance and the opportunity maybe i would try to i think i could be could be good at that but mm. i also have all these other things like um i feel like i'm being an herbalist by doing this podcast i feel like there's for like er, it's like herbal support i don't know how to say that like <laughs> like you need somebody to you know help people tell their their stories the herbs <laughs>
0: intermediary <laughs>
1: yeah yeah you know it's like when where I was at Herb School, and I, I remember um, the first class I took, I did like a medicine making class at Red Moon Herbs, like way back in the day. We and so we just learned how to make all the medicines, and we did like a plant walk and stuff like that. And and um, there was something about like how because I'm terrible at making like things like lotions. I'm terrible at making other kind of preparations, but I'm really good at like oils, infused oils and salves and stuff like that. And so everyone's kind of got what they're sort of good at. I don't know <laughs> as opposed to like medicine making and maybe what we have to offer. And um, I'm still figuring it out because I also am uncomfortable with that term, like herbalists. And we had, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still like, ah, I don't know enough. I don't know enough to be called <laughs> but yet I have a closet full of herbs. And so yeah. apparently, um, it's, you know, it's the gigs up, the gigs
0: up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're a closet I herbalist. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> bad, bad there. Bad, bad fun. <laughs> but yeah.
2: I think it's cool that that's kind of how the podcast started cause we actually put it out to the herb rally community. Uh, if you could ask your favorite herbalist, any question, what would it be? And we received all these answers. And then me, and me and a fellow herbalist, Heather Irvine kind of narrowed it down to like what we thought came up the most or the, our favorite questions out of all of them. And one that regularly came up was when do you feel, you know, it's appropriate to call yourself an herbalist. So Yeah. I think uh I think that that's definitely resonates with a lot of people. And I truly do believe, Jennifer, that, that you're right. I think that you as kind of a, a facilitator or connector of other herbalists is definitely a skill set. Okay, you can now call yourself an herbalist. Oh,
1: thank you. Okay. <laughs> uh, I need I need like a do we get like a we you and me need like a little herbalist patches. Yeah. <laughs> girl, girl scouts, herbal our- scouts. <laughs>
2: It's funny, too, because I feel like that that's kind of my strength, too. I, I, I kind of feel like I, I'm more of like a, a connector of herbalists than I am, you know, uh, a medicine maker or gardener or wildcrafter.
0: I know a little bit from reading your website, but for the sake of the listeners, what is Herb Rally? I mean, what inspired you to start that? How did this idea first come about?
2: It came about being the events person for Mountain Rose Herbs and looking to see if there was a website that hosted uh, herbalism events. Uh, So what I found was there were websites here and there that listed a few events or like the major conferences. So, you know, there'd be like say 10 listings. So I was like, I can't find what I'm looking for. So I was like, I'm just gonna create this website where I list all the herbalism events that I know about. I wanted to have a website that listed the herb walks in your community, just like the one-off lectures the the conferences um the plant walks and and everything so because i subscribe to a lot of herbalism newsletters so i just started kind of compiling them on this website Uh, i will say i let perfection of perfectionism get the best of me because i had this idea in my head for like a couple years maybe and then i was like what am i doing you know so then i was like i'm gonna do this and then i bought the domain name HerbRally.com. And then I probably waited in another year until I started doing it. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> I think you and me have a lot in common. Yeah, we, I think we do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, fun fact. I actually was trying to decide what to call it. And herbalismevents.com was one of the ideas I had. And I was like, that just does not roll off the tongue very well. And then I'm kind of pigeonholed to that one thing. So Herb Rally, it was, it kind of just, you know, came to my mind one day. I finally decided not to let perfectionism get the best of me. And then I just bought a Squarespace website, which was super simple. And I started listing all these events. And then I started listing them by state. And then I believe monographs might have been the second thing that came along. And then it was kind of like, okay, now I know what, I'm, what direction I'm heading in. I kind of want to just create this hub of herbal information. And uh, so, yeah, then it was events, monographs. Over the course of time, I added a podcast and probably some other stuff too. But those were like the the three things that I was really focused on.
0: And now you've got even your own offerings tied into it too, right? I mean, you went from just listing the goings on in areas to adding your own goings on.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, just recently we we created like a membership website and a, a YouTube channel. Yeah, so it just keeps kind of expanding from there. The The goal is just to keep growing every one of those segments. We definitely have over 100 events listed. So I just want to always keep that robust. And I want it to be where someone could go to the website and find something uh, happening around them. And if not, uh, oh, the virtual events page is actually newer too since COVID online events are a lot more prevalent now. So we list online herbalism events.
0: And prior to beginning this recording, we were talking and I realized as I'm looking at the questions, we don't actually have anything this specific. So I'll add it in. You essentially folded out, you know, rounded out your career with um, Mountain Rose Herbs after 11 years because Herb Rally's taken on such a life of its own. Is that my understanding? Like yeah. being able to transition to like Herb Rally is the full-time job now, basically?
2: Exactly. And that was kind of my goal was to eventually do that. I set the the goal of doing Herb Rally for 10 years and then be able to make the transition. And I would say it was kind of close to seven years. So um, I definitely always recommend to people if they're trying to like start a side hustle, if you will, to just set a really long goal. So you never feel like, so you never feel rushed and you never feel let down and you give yourself time to grow and learn and build. And I'm really glad I did that because 10 years felt so long. I never felt rushed to do anything dumb and, and then you have your your day job supporting you, so there's no there's no like fear of failing or anything like that, you know. And I and I really treated herb rally as kind of like a hobby, you know, which it still is. I still love doing, and it. it's still that super can fun. keep
0: it more uh, a healthy relationship with what you're doing. I really appreciate that advice because I know both Jennifer and I are guilty sometimes of being like, "I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Chop yeah. chop chop." <laughs> I mean.
1: Yes, I'm like, I'm taking notes. I feel like so much in our society is like, rush, 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 go, 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 fast, fast, fast. And this idea of taking things slow, I really like. The only thing that I think drives me is because of my current job isn't as fabulous as your ex-job was. And I struggle, I struggle with that. And it's hard, it's a little hard for me to be as patient, but... You know, I take heart. <laughs> you know that things will happen, but I love, I love that idea, and it, it is very inspiring. And I think, I think a lot of people may find it comforting because I know that there are a lot of people in that boat. One person today at work told me he put in his notice because he was like, "I have to follow my heart." you like, <laughs> go, man. But I need that paycheck right now, so I gotta, you know, I gotta, I gotta follow my heart and. <laughs> Um, pay the bills. Pay the bills,
2: right? Yeah. And that's a really good point you bring up. I did have a job that was very similar to what I was doing with Herb Rally, in the sense that I was hanging out with the herbal community. Like it, it, it was perfect in that regard. So uh, I have a lot of empathy for you, uh, and 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 feeling a little more rushed, perhaps because of maybe I don't know. Are your are the is the company going to listen to this
1: podcast? <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, it's not—it's not a bad job. It's not a bad job by For far. Sure. It's just not my passion, and
0: I've been wanting—you know—I've been sort of. It's like nobody goes, you know, what? When I grow up, I want to work in a
2: warehouse.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I <feel> you. So, <laughs> the, so the,
1: the job is fine. And I can listen to my headphones while I work, and it's just kind of like. And it's kind of chill we just go around and not I'm not as ready. fun as playing with herbs not as <laughs> fun as playing with herbs and i'm like okay i've waited a really long time i've been i really found this herbal thing um when i was like 28 and i'm 44 so it's sort of it's taken me a really long time to sort of i guess get where i think my heart wants to be but also like i feel like I had to wait for like, yeah, it's complicated. But I feel like I had to wait for like me to be maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe like you know I hadn't met Ellen yet. Some things weren't like there. And
2: I still think it's a good idea to set a long-term goal. Yeah. But then I also want to applaud you. You actually started something. A lot of people will just sit on it forever, and then and I don't know how many episodes you've done so far, but I have seen the YouTube channel, and there's uh, a lot you're of number stuff forty-one. There. Wow, that's, yes. I mean, that's, I don't know if you know this, but um, I've heard some stats thrown around, but a lot of people start podcasts, and then they quit after the seventh episode. So you're already like, uh, probably in the top 1% as far as people that continue on. Uh, so that's, that's, that's impressive in its own right. Um, but yeah, just, just keep going for it.
0: <laughs> hey, That's a perfect segue into your next question there. Dan. Oh, yes. Well, one more thing. <laughs>
1: You've also stuck with Herb Raleigh for a a while um, because how we first met was, I don't know how you got my information, but I have another YouTube channel for my Herb stuff that I started a long time ago. And when I didn't have a podcast, you're like, can I put your channel on as a podcast? And I was so excited. I was like, (laughs) yes. And I just loved the idea of of your, your project. So I'm just really excited that you're still doing it. And then it's just gotten bigger and expanded. And so, yeah, that's, and, and we're here again, we're like, we've come circle around and cool. So I know I personally struggled and have struggled in the past with the business side of running a creative herbal endeavor. Do you, do you know anything about starting a business or has, this has been your first experience and what were your biggest challenges in getting started and how did you overcome them because i know that a lot of people like herbalism is kind of a lot of times i think i feel like it forms in the category of creative businesses and people who do herbs don't necessarily know or are good at the business side and um, but often you need to actually learn that to make some money at your
0: yeah. your craft <laughs>
2: I totally know where you're coming from on this and I was actually really excited to talk about this one. Yeah. I would say I, for the longest time, I think it was like a lack of confidence in myself. Um, but I was in my, I would say from 20 till I started Herb Rally, I always kind of viewed myself as a a company man or whatever. Like I, I thought that I, I didn't know that I had any sort of entrepreneurial, um, you know, um, acumen at all because I, I worked at the hospital for seven years, and then I worked at Mount Reserves, yeah, for eleven years, and my previous job I worked there for three years. So I, I, I had these long-term jobs multiple times in a row, and then for whatever reason I started getting into business and marketing. So I started consuming that type of content just to kind of learn about it because that's where my curiosities led me. Then I started remembering, I was like, oh my gosh, before Craigslist, there were these things called classified ads in the newspaper. And I would take out classified ads as like a 10-year-old that says, I will mow your lawn for five bucks, you know, and stuff like that. And I would go around with our lawnmower and I'd mow people's lawns. I'd weed for people. Uh, I remember I I joined up with my other like 10, 11 year old friend too. And we created posters and put them all over town. I vividly remember one of the posters said, we'll work for nachos. Um, (laughs)
0: Did you (laughs) get an element came in?
2: (laughs) One of our other slogans was cheap, but not too cheap. (laughs) which my my dad really loved. He still brings that up. It's funny to look back as what you were doing when you were a kid. And maybe there was some like sadness at the time, but I had this like creative spirit. And and I think that that really always was deep inside me as to wanting to start some sort of business, but I didn't really have the confidence to do so. So, you know, fast forward the seed of the idea of Herb Rally. And then, you know, Jennifer, like you were saying, where we relate, like we just sit on stuff forever. And and for me, it was just a lack of confidence. Oh, who am I to do this thing? And then I just said, F it, if you will. I think there was a part of that question where it said, what, what do you have to overcome or something? Or, But basically, and it's so cliche, but I think you just have to kind of jump off the ledge and do it. And the other bit of advice I'd give is, and it does seem kind of counter to the herbal world uh, because I know that we're all, you know, anti-capitalist and stuff like that. But like you said, we got to make a a living somehow. And I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to make money at doing something you love. Uh, So what I started doing was I would listen to these business podcasts, business books, uh, audio books, and like marketing and stuff like that. So I think, I think if you have the willingness to consume that type of content, even though it's so far off from the herbalism that we all know and love um i think it's worthwhile because you'll get inspired and get a lot of ideas on on how to grow your own business
1: yeah also because it's it's very impractical like we our overall system is capitalism right now so we sort of have to function with within it and and do the best that we we can and and it, it does behoove you to learn about the the systems and and how it works, especially if you're going to sort of be entering into at least some of it, you know, I mean, I know, I know probably some of us would like to throw it all out and be like, yeah, let's find a different yeah. way. But I don't think we're quite there yet. So
2: <laughs> yeah, in my early twenties, I was morphing into like an extreme version of a hippie and I still identify that way for sure. So it does seem kind of polar opposite in some ways, but I like fasted a lot i i grew my hair out i I meditated a lot and i I read countless spiritual books and then one day i read this book called words to the wise and i had this like old hippie guy on the front with long gray hair and a long gray beard i was like yeah this book's for me this is gonna this is gonna be awesome this is gonna be yet another spiritual book that i can read to get me closer to what i'm looking for and then lo and behold it had almost the opposite effect on me Kind of woke me up to the idea that you could consume spiritual content all day and have all these practices and stuff, but at the end of the day, if you're not actually helping evolve the world to be a better place, you're not really doing much. And I and I, I'm glad that I had that phase uh, where I, you know, really went within and, and learned a lot about spirituality and myself and stuff like that. But but really, I was I was probably just digging myself deeper into like a depressive state because I wasn't actually following my heart or, do, or had clarity on what I was trying to to accomplish. So I don't think anything wrong with it. I think that, um, like you said, we got to operate within the confines of the, the system that we're living in. And if you do it in, in the best way that you can, I think it's smart to learn about some business stuff.
0: <laughs> Sounds like you had your own I'll say this because since you read so many different spiritual things you might know what i'm referencing you had your own sort of ox herder parable experience are you familiar with that i'm not okay so it's like a really really old zen parable where it's like the ox herd is out with his ox he loses his ox he can't find his ox he looks everywhere for his ox then he finds the ox and he leads the ox or he and he rides the ox home and then he returns to the marketplace But it's essentially supposed to be like an allegory for you're trying to find nirvana, the wisdom, whatever. You're out searching, you're searching, you're searching. Oh, you find it, oh, you can write it home. But the story doesn't end there. You have to go back to the marketplace. You have to take what you (laughs) learned and put it back into something that's applicable because otherwise it's like, what did I just do all this for? Uh, So that was something that I read in my 20s and I'm like, Take it back to the world. So you, did, you had cool. your own experience of that.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I think, Jennifer, you said something earlier about, like, being a hermit or something like that. And I really thought that that's what I was going to be. I thought – was that Ellen that said that? Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I thought that I was going to be, a, um, you know, crossing my legs in some cave and just fasting all the time and praying and stuff like that, which is cool. But it, w- it wasn't right for me, and I knew that it wasn't uh, going to – going to lead anywhere. So yeah, it it feels good to actually be doing something that I feel is beneficial to humanity. Uh, And that's a cool parable, Ellen. I've never heard that before.
0: Well, this is a total uh, shift in the questions, but on your website bio, it mentions, I'll say in quotes, it says, you are an enthusiast of the art (laughs) of frugal nutrition. And there's a link there (laughs) on the main page that's titled frugal nutrition. And I, I read that link. I didn't know if this was something you kind of coined, if you were like developing, if you jumped on board with and are promoting, how, what is it? How do you define it? And and how is that so much part of your life? Because I think the concept of it is is really cool. And you're scratching at the surface of something that I don't think most people stop to think about.
2: <laughs> that is so cool to hear you put it that way. Um, and I'd say, did I coin it? Yes. With the caveat that someone already owns the domain frugalnutrition.com, wow. so so someone else also thought of that as well which i thought was really cool but also was a bummer for me because i didn't i couldn't get the domain uh so mountain rose herbs wants you to write a bio right about yourself so when you write blog posts and stuff like that and i really love this concept of uh, um eating nutritiously but if you don't have much money uh, how can you do that on a budget? And I've always really loved this idea uh, because I, I feel like there's this um, this thought that if you want to eat healthy, it has to be expensive, buy all the best organic ingredients and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't think that's actually true. So in my bio, I, I just kind of said the art of frugal nutrition because I thought it sounded good. And so when we were trying to come up with the idea for the name of this course. We were like, what should we call it? Cause frugal nutrition is already taken. And then I realized, oh, my bio says the art of, so we'll just tack that on there and call it the art of frugal nutrition. The idea behind the course, well, first of all, it's sliding scale. So it starts at a hundred dollars just in case someone does have the means to pay for what we're trying to put out there, go for it. And then we also have $50, $25. And then there's, you can also register for free. It, it seemed antithetical to have a course on eating healthy on a budget and then charge money for it we wanted to make this content regardless in all reality it could have been a bunch of blog posts or whatever uh but we wanted to do it and i've always wanted to create some sort of course and actually for the longest time i thought what this was going to be was a book i started letting perfectionism kind of take over again i'm like and i'm not doing anything with this idea so then i was like oh wait you know we realized a man and i we could just you know make videos produce pdfs and, and this kind of thing and so yeah so sliding scale the other thing is is we want to call this ever expanding meaning every quarter or so we'll come up with a new module uh so currently we have bone broth dumpster diving and fermentation i think that those are all kind of pillars in a way of eating healthy on a budget and i have so many ideas for this course and i'm just super excited to to just keep expanding on it every few months or so.
0: Yeah, I um, the book's gonna write itself.
2: Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, with lots of guest authors. I don't teach any of the modules. I'm going to do a module on nourishing herbal infusions. Cause again, if you buy a five pound bag of oat straw from an herb company, you know, that could last you a long time and you get a lot of minerals and nutrition out of that. And it's super cheap.
0: It's a course you're offering, and it's literally about, how to eat healthy in a way that doesn't break the bank okay
2: exactly (laughs) Exactly what it sounds like you summed it up much better than i did
0: (laughs) i was just thinking
1: about who do you in envision this course to help the most like when you when you think about the person that's going to be like watching this and like being maybe being helped by it who do who do you see like what type of question
2: I mean, I guess I picture the single parent who has to work full time and it's hard for them to make ends meet. They have an interest in nutrition. They have an interest in feeding their family healthy foods. They're not really sure how to do it. I do feel like the art of frugal nutrition is is kind of, all the modules so far are somewhat out of the box, I would say like, I mean, fermentation is becoming more and more popular, but I don't think people realize how easy it is, and you know, you go to say a Whole Foods or a, or some uh, some natural food store, and you see like a jar of uh, sauerkraut for like twelve bucks, and really, you know, you could just get a couple heads of cabbage, and it couldn't be easier to make. Uh, and I know, so I know that there's a lot of content on the internet already that explains how to do that, and that's great. People should just go watch that. But what I really want to do is kind of d- demystify a lot of the the why, the how and then just inspire the people to take matters into their own hands and create these things, the dumpster diving, definitely out of the box. So my friend, Giuseppe Spadafora, he's the free tea guy. You should look him up. Ah. He's amazing. Yeah. So he came to town and he spent a couple of days with us and we, we literally recorded shoot. I don't know how long the actual module is. It's probably over an hour. Uh, but he talks about the, why the safety, the dangers, uh, and then we actually go out and do a live demo of us literally dumpster diving and showing how it's done and what you can get. You can get a lot of great organic produce and stuff like that. And it's extremely countercultural and probably even frowned upon. If there was someone who wants to get a lot of free organic produce in what I would consider an ethical way, this is a way to do it. And then you could get creative with, like, you know, taking that from the dumpster and being safe with it and then converting it into say a, a fermented uh food of some sort and the bone broth again is like probably not that it's it's becoming more and more popular uh, but again like i want to make it accessible i want people to learn about the how the why um and then just a really basic way to do it and then you could infuse that with herbs medicinal herbs and stuff like that as well who do i want to to take this course anyone that's looking to stretch their dollar and yeah, there's, like I said, there's this ideas galore as far as the different modules that we want to do.
0: Might be one you've already considered then.
1: Yeah, um, but
0: if not, I would say <laughs> following along those lines, say target audiences, single parent, strapped not just for cash. They're usually going to be strapped for time, too. And I think that there's this is, again, sort of that weird juxtaposition of the natural counterculture life. The ideal maybe for many in the face of the monstrosity of the culture that we live in trying to blend those and you're in a position to sort of help bridge that gap where frugal isn't just necessarily in this case financial it might even be like you know a time budget right so it's like sauerkraut okay it doesn't take too long to shred a cabbage but then you're waiting you know weeks for it to get to where you're going to be eating it as sauerkraut etc i would be interested if and this might be something you could stretch into more than one module i don't know but something that deals more with okay now we've got the healthy food whether we dumpster dived it or fermented it or whatever but like what are we going to do with that that can be healthy fast food you know it's like there was the slow food movement but we almost need to find a way to hybridize the slow food movement what's all that's good about the slow food movement but Work it into like people's work schedules. So here's like an
1: example that I use when I like talk to people. I don't know, I have these conversations with people about food, and or my friend was like, I got these, ramen, you know, ramen noodle type things. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. She's like, they're so good, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I used to eat those and, and just leave out the spice packet mm-hmm. because like the noodles, even though know, they're like wheat noodles and they're probably full of maybe some junk but the spice packet is real bad yeah so like even if you had to eat the ramen you know the spice packet but you could put eggs and you could put veggies in it
0: so I think that's sort of a what Ellen was going for right but not quite I mean that's that's one way it would manifest but I was just thinking too in terms of severe love of cooking and experimenting with different things and incorporating herbs if If there would be some way to like be like okay and here's ways that you also do that quickly but still maintain the nutritional content on a budget component i don't know
2: along those lines i kind of like the idea of educating people that they can make initial upfront investments and maybe like a freezer for extra freezer space or learning how to can yeah it it does seem like an upfront ridiculous cost maybe at, at first but then over time it might be able to pay for itself. So, no, I love that, and I, I don't know if I have considered uh, adding like the the, the quick uh, nutrition module, but I'm gonna marinate on that. So, thanks.
1: <laughs> I mean, even in in our area, I mean, canning. A lot of everyone knows canning, and I think that even if like they don't can, their grandma cans, or they're yeah. you know, like somebody cans, in their family that they are familiar with it. So, I don't know about all areas, but definitely here in the south. We you know, it's, for sure it's not too yeah. much of a stretch it's, it's it's um people would be familiar with it. and you just get some jars basically and what inspires you most about the natural world
2: yeah i feel like i took way too long to mold this one over but really it's uh in our hectic day-to-day lives especially in the winter time when it's hard to get outside um i noticed that me myself i start to get like this anxiety and this stress and I'm always behind a computer and um, I go for a lot of walks, but usually just in town. I notice when I get out into nature, even if it's just like a park in town, it is like this instant relief of stress. And it's amazing. It's it's magical. And uh, I would say the thing that inspires me the most about the natural world is just the ability to to calm you. I know there's probably lots of words for what's happening with that. But um, yeah, I would just say being in the woods, at least here in the Pacific Northwest, it's my favorite environment is the West Cascades. There's just like this, this sense of relaxation that you get.
0: Well, you sort of, I guess, more or less answered the next question. But if you want to elaborate <laughs> further, can you tell us some of your favorite ways that you connect, um, find peace and stay grounded in your everyday life?
2: You're right. That does dovetail nicely. And I would say it's nice to have uh, my teacher, Howie calls it a power spot. So uh, going to the same spot for the same sense of relaxation, or just to feel connected and grounded. I like the spot along the river here in town. And I go there pretty much year round. And it's it's fun to see it through the seasons. You see the same plants pop up, You, you might notice them shifting or this way or that. But yeah, definitely as far as Producing the feeling of groundedness, revisit the same place in nature. I also, this harkens back to the whole nourishing herbal infusions. I take a lot of those and then I try to meditate daily if I can.
1: When you said power spot, I'm like, oh yeah, my lunch tree. Yeah, there (laughs) we go. (laughs) All right. We love to ask this question because we love books and we love herbal books. (laughs) We just love books what are some of your favorite books that you recommend pertaining to herbs medicine making forager foraging etc also uh, if there's a business book too since we chatted about that
2: oh man as far as herbalism books go like you i'm moving uh so they're all packed up right now uh, that said i love rosalie de la foyer's books Maria will groves has a great book called body in the balance and i pulled this up earlier i just got this I'm super excited for The Healing Garden by Juliet Blankspore. I've been flipping through it and yeah, just tons of amazing recipes and just with her, it's always like beautiful pictures and stuff like that. You got the medicinal properties in there and uh, I highly, 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 highly recommend that. And we just did a visit with Christosina Dinis. do you know of her?
1: So wow. she's a great
2: herbalist in the Arcata, California area. And look at this book. Oh, wow.
1: I am impressed by a big book. Yeah. Nice. So is this-
2: This is called the essential guide to Western botanical medicine. And I believe she said that it took her around 20 years to write, which is just amazing. So along with that question, when do you get to call yourself an herbalist? We also asked herbalists, what are your favorite books? You know, we visited with two herbalists in Portland, a few months back, a couple months back, uh, Dr. Orna Isaacson and Paul Bergner, and they both just ranted and raved about this book. Paul probably talked about this book for 10 minutes straight. These are both new books in my library. Again, these are just phenomenal books. I believe she self-published this book. So wow. when you when you buy it, you're supporting her directly, which is really neat. Uh, she invested a lot of time and money into the creation of this thing. So if you're a practitioner, uh, an herbal practitioner, I think this is kind of like a must. As I mentioned before, I'm not a practitioner, but I, I li- I'm a nerd and I like this <laughs> stuff. You can't go wrong with Michael Moore's books. I love his sense of humor. He's hilarious. Lots of great info in there as well. Me personally, I'm actually more of a, as far as most of my education it comes back to the apprenticeships. I can't recommend enough taking an herbal apprenticeship. I think it's like one of the best things you could do for yourself. And if you don't know who you want to take an apprenticeship with, that's where herbalism events comes into play. If you go to an herbalism event, you kind of get a sampling of a bunch of different teachers and teacher styles, and you'll kind of feel who you resonate with. So if you're thinking about taking an herbalism apprenticeship, try to go to an event around you and then learn about the teachers in your neck of the woods and then um, uh, go from there. But I like books, but definitely try to take an apprenticeship if you can.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely like that academic part of herbalism and then the huge hands-on part. I think it's really important and because like, I know when I'm like there and I'm looking and touching and smelling, I'm going to remember it everything better than, then I can take it
0: back to the book and be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. The complete the picture, right? Like the book might be the gateway, but you're only going to get so much out of, you know, a piece of paper. And then, so you, then you might start dabbling and I'm taking things or whatever, but you went to the store and you bought this tincture. Okay. That that's one step up. And then you start oh maybe i can make this myself and then it's like okay well but then if you want to like open the door really wide find somebody who's gonna know a lot more and can just set you down the, down the course right <laughs> send you down the path
2: totally and actually i think an online herbalism apprenticeship could be helpful too and there's a lot of great ones out there but i i do think it's really important to go out in the woods or in the the garden and learn about the plants in person
1: yeah that one that one day medicine making class like really just it was just one day but i felt like it just really started me on this whole thing and i had no idea like going to it what how i would feel and i just i just i feel like i felt like i just like absorbed everything and just like i mean we had um it was just a one day one day class so even if you couldn't find an apprenticeship you know i know that you put you wanted to put up those one day classes and i think those are really important for sort of beginning your your journey and they're usually very accessible
2: with the added bonus that you're then surrounded by other plant nerds and that sense of community is i mean i live for that it's so fun to be in a room full of 10 people that all are just like nerding out on this subject. So yeah, I love, I love hanging out with the different, you know, herbal students. So.
0: So besides the podcast being a main thing that you do, are there any other projects you're currently working on through Herb Rally? Like what kinds of things are people going to find available on your website right now?
2: You know, we had the podcast, I think for over four years now, um, almost five, I believe. And uh, we just started a YouTube channel. And that's thanks in large part to the fact that I married a videographer, a fit, photographer, and she's also co owner of the business. The YouTube is so fun. Like just going around and visiting with these different herbalists and, and recording videos with them. And uh, I feel like it kind of adds a different element when you get to actually see the, the herbalist. And so that's been fun, channel to, to start working on. And on the flip side of that, we also have the Herb Rally Schoolhouse. Which is our membership area that's kind of a way of just helping sustain our business and we so what we're trying to do is produce exclusive content to our schoolhouse members where we where we try to go a little more in depth and have these courses and classes inside of the schoolhouse area so that's been another fun experiment that started back in february you already mentioned frugal nutrition um yeah then the we're just keep growing the events and monographs and if we think of an idea we're just like oh let's do that you know and it's super it's super fun to just uh you know think of something and then put it into action almost immediately
1: so that uh does go right into the next question going forward what is your dream for herb rally and how do you see it evolving
2: yeah so we're actually in the process of moving as i mentioned and that's actually catapulting us to the next step i have lived in oregon my entire life and Amanda is from Wisconsin. We're leaving to Wisconsin and the plan is to live there five months a year, Oregon five months a year in an RV and then we're just gonna travel around for the other two months, probably go to Asheville. I love the South, so I wanna like bebop around the South quite a bit and hang out with the herbalists there. What's in store is to basically just try to travel a lot more and hang out with a lot of the herbalists and uh, just produce more content. We've got lots of other ideas, but really what we just want to do is just keep expanding on all the offerings and just keep making the website a better and better place. Yeah. yeah. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. <laughs> <Me too.
1: laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So Mason, um, thank you for coming and chatting with us and I want to thank everyone for listening. I'm going to put all the links down. So check out Herb Herb Rally. We'll put the links to the the books. Actually, I just put the titles. I'm just so. But all the books are on the internet. (laughs) You can check us out if you want to listen. We are on Anchor. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts you can watch our beautiful faces on youtube <laughs> we have a facebook group we're on instagram again we would like to invite our listeners to consider supporting us through a little donation through our anchor page and you can as well leave us a rating and a comment on apple podcasts so and until next time
0: we will see everyone later
2: thank you so much
0: bye. thank you mason bye